Greetings, I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective. We're talking about the 1998-99 Duncan Robinson Popovich Spurs championship season today. I call this season the after party because it's the first season after the breakup of the last dance dynastic Jordan Pippen Rodman Bulls. And this season was unique in that it was only 50 games long as opposed to the normal 82, which I'll get into in a moment. This episode focuses on the ELO ratings and subsequent ELO simulation. We were able to simulate the season 50 game season 10,000 times. I had anticipated some problems with moving down from 82 games. However, those problems never materialized. The statistical uh, programming language R came through for me, so that's good that I was able to actually simulate this season. And we're going to focus on the regular season today, including who made and who was expected to make the playoffs and the seeding, and we'll talk about the actual playoffs in a later episode. And again, we simulate the season 10,000 times. And to do the simulation, we need to talk about ELO ratings. And the average ELO rating is 1,500. It's determined by the score, date, and location of prior games. And for those of you who want specifics on that, now score is self-explanatory. That's just who won prior games, who lost, by how much. Date and location is a little bit more complicated. And because it is mathematically complicated, if you are mathematically interested, mathematically inclined, go to 538.com. They've got a great explanation there. However, for the purposes of this podcast, all you need to know on ELO rating is that the average is 1,500 and it accounts for score, date, and location. I also got a listener question a couple episodes ago about what the ELO acronym stands for. It is actually not an acronym at all. It's named for the Hungarian physics professor Arpad ELO, who first established ELO ratings for chess. And something noteworthy here, um, the ELO system is very successful, but it can't account for player movement in the NBA. And... One of the reasons why is that it works for anything with a binary outcome. However, when we're talking about chess, obviously you don't have to worry about player movement. Chess is a game of individual on individual. And we're going to look at the four factors as well. Effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, rebound percentage, and free throws per field goal attempt in a later episode. And we'll also compare the two metrics using correlation in a later episode. And I do realize I'm repeating myself a lot on this podcast, but that is to benefit new listeners. For example, if you are a Spurs or a Knicks fan, and I'll explain the relevance of the Knicks this season in a minute, you might have specific interests in this season and be listening for the first time. So it's important to go over what we're actually talking about here. So getting into the specifics surrounding this season. And the season was shortened significantly by a lockout, which persisted through January. The season began February 5th, which is long after the traditional opening in October, and long after casual fans generally begin following the NBA on Christmas Day. Now, if you want a comprehensive history of the lockout, why it happened, 
the particulars, what the players were looking for, what the owners were looking for, things of that nature. It's available at The Ringer and at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. However, this podcast tends to focus more on the actual basketball, not on the business. So if you are interested in the business, you can check that out at those sources. That They've got a detailed history of the lockout there. And again, this was the first season following the breakup of the Chicago Bulls dynasty featuring Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Steve Kerr. All of those players were gone prior to the 99 season. And given this player loss, the Bulls collapsed drastically, going 13-37. and 37. Remember, this was 50 games. And they ultimately won the NBA draft lottery and selected Duke's Elton Brand. Now, unlike 1997-98 with that Bulls team, and 2015-16 with the Warriors team that set a regular season wins record, there was no dominant team this year. Okay, the Spurs and the Jazz had the best record, regular season records at 37 and 13, but they had the Portland Trailblazers at 35 and 15 and three other teams at 33 and 17 very close behind. Now, in contrast, the Vancouver Grizzlies, who finished 8 and 42 again, remember it's 50 games, finished with the 10th worst winning percentage of all time after the lockout caused a precipitous 3,000 fan per game attendance drop from the previous season. And that futility eventually catalyzed the team's relocation to Memphis. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the current iteration, the Memphis Grizzlies, who are a much superior team. And another thing that's noteworthy here, while he was with a different team, Steve Kerr would win his fourth consecutive NBA championship this season, now as a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Kerr now has won recent championships as a coach with the Golden State Warriors. And recall that the Spurs overachieved greatly in 1997-98, winning approximately 13 games above the ELO expectation. This season could be considered the culmination of that prior season's overachievement. Some most notably Ionic Richard at Medium and Mr. Richard, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your first name, call this season, quote, the birth of a dynasty, which is an understandable viewpoint. But statistically, if you look at the previous season, I would suggest that the true birth of that dynasty was then. It was in the 97-98 season due to the major statistical overachievement. Again, we're talking 13 wins above expectation, which could be considered, of course, foreshadowing for their championship this season. And this would indeed be the first of five championships for the Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich Spurs, and the first for the franchise overall. And the Spurs NBA Finals opponent this year is also interesting. The New York Knicks shocked the NBA world by upsetting the Miami Heat in the first round en route to the finals against San Antonio, where they lost four games to one. And this is significant because the Knicks were the first number eight seed to reach the NBA Finals, and that feat was not equaled until 2023, ironically enough, with the Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Miami Heat. And the Knicks also had two historically great shots en route to the finals. 
um, an Allen Iverson floater in the first round Miami Heat series, and a Larry Johnson four-point play in the conference finals against the Indiana Pacers. And the Knicks have not won another conference title since 1999. And there was also some controversy with this team in that they added Latrell Sprewell in the prior offseason. Sprewell had become infamous for several violent altercations, most notably choking his previous coach, P.J. Carlissimo, in Golden State, and perhaps winning both cures and redeems all ills. And because of the controversy and because of the statistical improbability of making the NBA Finals as a number eight seed, we are going to do a separate episode solely on this Knicks team. For that reason, spoiler alert, the Knicks are not going to be one of our featured teams this season. We're going to do a single episode following the season on them. So stay tuned for that. Getting now to the regular season format, okay? They had two conferences, the Eastern and the Western, which is basically the same as right now. We had four divisions, okay? Atlantic and Central in the Eastern Conference and Midwest and Pacific in the Western Conference. All divisions had seven teams except for the Central with eight. And each team plays 80, um, not 82 games this year. Each team plays 50 games, again, due to the lockout. Now, in terms of the playoff format, eight teams per conference make the playoffs. And so that's similar to now, but something that's different than right now is that the division winners automatically get the top two seeds and the remaining teams are seeded based on record. Okay, so the NBA no longer does that. Now the seeding is done strictly based on record, but it wasn't the case in 98-99. At that point in time, it was based on division win. So even if you won a division, you had a worse record than the second team in the other division, you still got that higher seed. You still would get, the, in that case, the number two seed. So that's a little bit different than what there is right now. And I think that most fans of the NBA tend to not pay attention to divisions right now and for understandable reasons. It's not that significant. Everything is done based on record. But at this time, in 98-99, division mattered. Okay, it, it mattered if you won your division or not because that have impacted your playoff seating. So that's important. That's noteworthy. So... In terms of how the playoffs work, the top seed plays the 8th, second seed plays the 7th, and so on. There are no buys. Another difference from what the NBA does currently, it was at that time a best-of-five series in the first round and best-of-seven in all subsequent rounds. And so we're going to go ahead and look at the simulation But before we look at the simulation, we do have to look at preseason ELO ratings. And I'm not going to bore you by reading through the whole league, but remember that this metric accounts only for final score, date, and location of prior games. And it cannot account for player movement. And so with that in mind, I'm going to read off the division winners, projected division winners only. Okay, So for the Atlantic division in the Eastern Conference, 
Projected winner was the Miami Heat, ELO 1568.04. Central Chicago Bulls, ELO 1700.10. Midwest Utah Jazz, ELO 1673.47. And Pacific Los Angeles Lakers, ELO 1641.30. And the actual winners were the Miami Heat, which aligns. Indiana Pacers, San Antonio Spurs, and Portland Trailblazers. And the reason preseason ELO does not align with the actual beyond the heat is due to player movement. And look specifically at the Bulls, okay? They had a 1,700 preseason ELO rating. Recall again, the average is 1,500. But they wound up winning only 13 games that season, And the reason for the inflated preseason ELO rating is because that was still based on the previous last dance team that won the NBA championship in 97-98. Even though all those guys are gone, I mentioned earlier, ELO accounts for score, date, location. That's it. Not player movement, just score, date, location. And that's why their ELO rating was so very inflated, despite the um, expectation that they were not going to be a good team. And we're going to discuss this Bulls team in detail in a later episode. And for the actual playoffs and the seedings, more comprehensive version, go to Basketball Reference. They've got the actual playoffs for this season and basically every season in the NBA's history that could be documented. Uh, The early ones might be a little bit uh, incomplete, but that's just due to absence of data technology or limitation of data technology at that time. So we then ran the simulation 10,000 times, and our simulation was able to yield an average win count for each team. And so if we rank the same way, if we look at those win counts and we rank the same way that the NBA did, We can project the division winners and the playoff teams. So we're going to get first into the simulated division winners and simulated playoff teams. And starting in the Eastern Conference, okay? So first, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference were the Chicago Bulls. ELO again, 1700.10. Wait a second, I am reading the wrong column. Sorry about that. Wrong uh, wrong, wrong data set. Um, okay, Eastern Conference simulated wins. Let's get this right. Top seed Indiana Pacers simulated wins 33.014, and they are the projected Central Division winner. Number two in the Eastern Conference, simulated wins 31.565, projected Atlantic Division winner. Third seed Eastern Conference, Atlanta Hawks, simulated wins 29.182. Fourth seed Eastern Conference, Orlando Magic, simulated wins 28.202. Fifth seed Eastern Conference, Detroit Pistons, simulated wins 26.756. Sixth seed, Eastern Conference, Chicago Bulls, simulated wins 26.041. Seventh seed, Eastern Conference, New York Knicks, simulated wins 25.968. 
An eighth seed Eastern Conference, Cleveland Cavaliers, simulated wins, 25.385. Okay, sorry about looking at the wrong wrong column there. Um, Now, ELO gets only the division winners, the Eastern Conference division winners, right? And we also have a bit weaker overall performance in the Eastern Conference. And that's for a cup. I mean, a weaker overall performance compared to earlier seasons. It does get six of eight teams correct in terms of just who made the playoffs. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and break that down in a minute here. But the reason it is off a little bit is because of two things. One, again, we have only a 50-game season. And to keep in mind that those win totals that I read off, those simulated win totals, are based on 50 games. For example, um, the projected 8-seed Cleveland Cavaliers, 25.385 wins. That's about a 500 record, slightly over. And that's, again, the standard typically for an 8th place team. You would expect a team that's just a hair over 500 to get that 8th seed, or to be a coin flip, essentially, for that 8th seed. But let's get to the comparison now between simulated and actual Eastern Conference playoff teams here. So simulated top team was the Indiana Pacers, simulated actual team, Miami Heat. Simulated second place team, Miami Heat. Simulated actual team, Indiana Pacers. That discrepancy is understandable just because, recall that I talked about the divisions. They just had different teams at the top of each division. And and again, in a 50-game season, things can be a little bit closer than in a full-length season. So third seed in simulation, Atlanta Hawks. Third seed in reality, Orlando Magic. Fourth seed in simulation, Orlando Magic. Fourth seed in reality, Atlanta Hawks. Fifth seed in simulation, Detroit Pistons. Fifth seed in actual, Detroit Pistons. That one matches up dead on. Sixth seed in simulation, Chicago Bulls. Sixth seed in actual, Philadelphia 76ers. Seventh seed in simulation, New York Knicks. Seventh seed in actual, Milwaukee Bucks. Eighth seed in simulation, Cleveland Cavaliers. Eighth seed in actual, New York Knicks. And... Again, we have some discrepancy here that we didn't have before, but with discrepancy in terms of seeding and discrepancy in terms of um, who made the playoffs. Again, we had six of eight teams correct, but for ELO, that's a little bit low. We usually hit seven. And the reason we have that discrepancy here is because, again, the Bulls, okay? ELO cannot account for player movement. I know I keep saying that, but it bears repeating. ELO cannot account for player movement. And the Bulls were projected 26.041 wins. Um, ELO was able to account at least a little bit for uh, the difference in season length and difference in talent for this team. But they only actually, the Bulls only actually wound up with 13 wins, which that happens when you essentially gut your roster. We know this, but ELO doesn't know this. And so that's the reason... We had that the Bulls getting getting in over in simulation over the 76ers in reality. Um, we also had more closer to the top flip flops between the Pacers and Heat, flip flops between the Hawks and Magic. 
that relates back to the division aspect of it. Who was the top in each division is going to affect the playoff seeding there. And we also had an overachieving Milwaukee Bucks team in reality. Um, and so that also, so again, getting in, I'll talk a little bit more about this later, but simulation is not reality. So, so we can see some teams like the Bucks, Buck, pun intended, the proverbial trend. So moving on now to the Western Conference playoffs, okay? And by simulated wins, first place, Utah Jazz, 37.564. They were the simulated Midwest division winner. Second place, Los Angeles Lakers, 33.420, simulated Pacific division winner. Third place, San Antonio Spurs, simulated wins, 33.445. Fourth place, Portland Trailblazers, simulated wins, 31.640. Fifth place, Seattle Supersonics, simulated wins, 29.028. Sixth seed, Phoenix Suns, simulated wins, 28.803. Seventh seed, Houston Rockets, simulated wins, 28.686. And 8th seed, Minnesota Timberwolves, simulated wins, 27.976. So the simulated Western Conference, at least, is a little bit stronger this season than the Eastern Conference. We have the Minnesota Timberwolves getting essentially 28 wins, which equates to 28 and 22, which is six games over 500, as opposed to being basically 500 even, which the Cavaliers were in simulation for the East. Now... In terms of playoff entry, who got in and who didn't, we do a little bit better in the West, okay? We got seven out of eight correct in entry, and what we had there was Supersonics made it in simulation but did not make it in reality, and the Sacramento Kings uh, didn't make it in simulation but did make it in reality, and The Kings actually overachieved greatly, and I'm going to discuss the Kings in detail later for that reason. But for now, suffice it to say, I'll tease this, they were, by ELO simulation, residual, which residual is just the difference between actual and simulated wins. They overperformed by the most. They won um, a greater number of games than they were expected to, and... That number, and I can't recall it at the moment, I will tell you later, but that number was higher than the number for any other team. So we are going to feature the Kings later. But getting now into the direct comparison between simulated and actual playoffs for the Western Conference, simulated one seed Utah Jazz, actual one seed San Antonio Spurs, Simulated two-seed Los Angeles Lakers, actual two-seed Portland Trailblazers. Simulated three-seed San Antonio Spurs. Simulated three-seed Utah, excuse me, actual three-seed Utah Jazz. Simulated four-seed Portland Trailblazers, actual four-seed Los Angeles Lakers. Simulated fifth-seed Seattle Supersonics, actual fifth-seed Houston Rockets. Simulated six-seed Phoenix Suns, actual six-seed Sacramento Kings. Simulated 7th seed, Houston Rockets. Actual 7th seed, Phoenix Suns. Simulated 8th seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. Actual 8th seed, Minnesota Timberwolves. So it got the Timberwolves 8th seed spot on. And the issue at the top there with the Jazz versus the Spurs, that is again an issue of 
division, okay? Both of those teams are in the uh, Midwest division. And in reality, both of them actually finished with the same record. It was, they were both 37 and 13. But the Spurs got the tiebreaker based on more victories against the Jazz in the regular season. They won two out of three against the Jazz in the regular season. And the simulation couldn't quite account for that. And so recall that, again, a division title gets you an automatic top two seed. So the, it's, it's a little off at the top for that reason. And the other dis- major discrepancy that we have there was the Kings getting in over the Supersonics. And again, that's because of the Kings' overachievement, which we're going to discuss in detail in a later episode. So there's a reason for that, but I don't have but we are gonna get into that later as opposed to right now. Now getting to some summary statistics for the league and the correlation between simulated and actual win percentage. Um, Because without the correlation, it sounds like I'm just spinning my wheels here. I'm just reading off numbers. Whereas with the correlation, it'll tell you how good the prediction actually is. So recall, for those of you who have not heard the podcast in a while, or maybe it's your first time altogether, recall that correlation is measured from negative one to one. Negative one being negative perfect, positive one being positive perfect. And it's the relationship between two variables, the higher the correlation in absolute value, the stronger the relationship. And in this case, our two variables are simulated wins by ELO and actual regular season wins. And our correlation here for the league between simulated and actual regular season wins is 0.856. Now, typically, the cutoffs for correlation are 0 to 0.3 is considered weak, 0.3 to 0.6 is considered moderate, and anything above that is considered strong. You will see some variability in some sources, but that's a general framework for how correlations are evaluated. So the point is, is that 0.856 is a very strong correlation, However, it's not as strong as we've seen in other seasons of NBA retrospective as some astute listeners will undoubtedly recognize. And the reason for that is, again, we have a shortened season here, so each game is more impactful, which means that the correlation can get lower because you, if you, each game is more impactful on winning percentage. So each so the correlation can get lower if a team goes on a winning streak or a losing streak. But in any case, 0.856, it's not bad. It's still a pretty strong correlation. So in terms of the mean, projected versus actual mean, average win count. Uh, simulated 25, actual 25. So that's spot on. Minimum, lowest win count. Simulated 12.138, actual 8, that was that Grizzlies team that I talked about earlier. Uh, That team had a lot of problems. I'm not going to get too in-depth on that, but suffice it to say that that team did have a lot of problems, particularly with attendance. First quartile, simulated wins 20.019, actual 19, that's very close. Median, 
uh, that's the value that falls directly in the middle of the field. So simulated wins, 25.968. Actual wins, 27. Again, that's very close. Third quartile, or 75th percentile. Simulated wins, 29.028. Actual wins, 31. Again, very close. Maximum. Simulated wins, 37.564. Actual wins, 37. Again, very close. Basically, all of these values are within a game and a half. So, with the exception of the minimum, and I just talked about why that was that very weak, very problem-heavy Grizzlies team. Um, Now, I do want to point out, I do have correlations and values for each individual division. I'm not going to overwhelm you with numbers by reading those. However, I do want to point out a problematic division that we had, and that was the central, okay? The correlation between actual and simulated wins in the central was only 0.456. So that's moderate at best. But the reason we had that correlation is because recall that the central division only had eight teams in it. And eight sounds like a lot, but when you have an underperforming team like the Bulls in the Central, they won 13 fewer games than expected. That can exert significant downward pressure on your correlation. And so that's the reason we had that very low 0.456 correlation in the Central Division. I just wanted to point that out. Um, That can also be impactful in terms of the league, but less so because we're dealing at that point with 29 teams instead of eight. But I wanted to just point that out. Um, Usually correlations are higher than that. All of them this year are higher, with the exception of that central, are higher than that. But there's a very clear reason for that, and that is because of that Bulls team um, underachieving in the way that it did. Um, So... For the entire league, the summary statistics are similar similar for actual and simulated wins. And we went through about the Central Division. Uh, Atlantic Division simulated exceeds actual for the minimum and the first quartile. Actual exceeds simulated at the median and the third quartile. And the maximum values are close, but they also favor actual wins. Actual was 33, simulated 31.565. And we already discussed the Central. Moving on then to the Midwest Division, Western Conference. Overestimated the minimum. Actual 8 simulated 13.183. Again, that's that Grizzlies team. And reasonably close at the other marks, particularly the max. Actual 37 simulated 37.564. And the simulated could not account for the worst team or the best team in the Midwest or in the league. And recall that the league minimum was 12.138 wins to Vancouver's actual eight. And the Pacific Division simulation overestimates the minimum. The actual was nine. That was the Los Angeles Clippers simulated 12.138. And recall that the Clippers were in the doldrums pretty much throughout the 90s. So I'm not surprised by that. It underestimates the first quartile. Actual was 23 simulated 19.457. And it does reasonably well with the remaining marks. And I'm not going to get into the individual correlations for divisions with the, apart from the outlier with that central. But 
all of them exceeded 0.8. Um, so let's leave it at that. And this is, again, lower than prior seasons, likely due to fewer games and therefore greater weight on each individual game. And again, I've, I'm sounding like a broken record here, but that central division, it got dropped down to 0.456. I actually did test the central division's correlation without the Bulls, and that brings it up to 0.801. So if you take the outlying underperforming team out, you could say that we have correlations above 0.8 for all divisions. And in terms of the full league, the correlation there was 0.856, again, a bit lower but again, than previous seasons. But again, clear reason. It's because we have fewer games. And I can't show you this on a podcast, but the scatter plot relating simulated to actual wins, simulated on X actual x-axis, actual on y-axis, it still reasonably approximates a straight line. But again, it's less straight this season due to fewer games. And the division with the highest correlation is the Midwest at 0.968. And that's very close to 1, very close to positive perfect. And the wins do appear to correlate moderately with the residuals at 0.566. And the scatter plot confirms this. Residuals, again, is just the difference between simulated and actual wins. Now let's get into our most accurately projected teams here. And the Indiana Pacers performed almost exactly at expectation. Simulated wins 33.014, actual wins 33, residual negative 0.014. Some other teams that were within 1.5 wins of simulation. Denver Nuggets simulated wins 13.537, actual 14. Utah Jazz simulated wins 37.564, actual 37. Boston Celtics simulated wins 20.019, actual 19. And New York Knicks simulated wins 25.968, actual 27. All of those teams performed very close to expectations. And we're going to talk later about the Knicks in their feature episode about the Knicks and the playoffs because... That regular season does not correlate well with playoff performance. They overperformed in the playoffs. Um, There does not appear to be a significant relationship between low residuals and record, despite the residual-to-win correlation calculated above. We do have teams with low residuals who finished below, that was the Nuggets, and well above 500, the Jazz, along with the Eastern Conference champion Knicks in this group. And it's important to note that simulation is not reality. The Sacramento Kings made the playoffs in 1999 despite only receiving 1,136 out of 10,000 playoff projections. That's only about 11.4%. So it's it's considered a rarity for a team like that to make the playoffs. And the Seattle Supersonics actually missed the playoffs in 1999 despite making them in 9,665 projections. So about 97% of the projections. But... That said, the Supersonics are not as surprising to me as the Kings. The Supersonics finished the season at 500, 25 and 25, which is often an essential coin flip for a team to make it. They lost the final spot in the first tiebreaker head-to-head with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Timberwolves beat them two or three times in the regular season, so Timberwolves got the nod. 
And just some more unusual and interesting regular season results here. The Sacramento Kings over overperformed by the most. Actual wins 27, simulated wins 20.447, residual 6.553. So that's over six and a half games. They won over six and a half games above what they were expected to win. That's a big deal in a 50-game season. And it's also the first time the Kings would finish above 500 since 1990, and only the second time making the playoffs in that span. And their stars included Chris Webber and Jason Williams. And that season would be the first in a long playoff appearance streak for the Kings, which ended in 2007. And the Kings did not return to the playoffs after that until 2022-23. Another overachieving team, the Toronto Raptors, although they did not make the playoffs, actual wins 23, simulated wins 17.268. So almost six wins above expectation there for the Raptors. And... Looking at the Vancouver Grizzlies, actual wins 8, simulated 13.183, and the Los Angeles Clippers, actual 9, simulated 12.138, those were both single-digit wins, both underachieving teams, and we talked earlier about why that happened. And again, the Chicago Bulls underachieved badly, actual wins 13, simulated 26.041, which again shows ELO's limitation in accounting for player movement. And that's about all I've got for this episode. We will have Kings and Bulls featurettes in future episodes. And we'll talk about the actual playoffs in our next episode. You can support NBA Retrospective by using your computer browser to navigate to NBA Retrospective Podcast and click the support button where you can donate $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99 per month. And you can also follow this podcast on whatever platform you use, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, to be updated when new episodes release, which will usually be from this point forward every two weeks. Until then, I'm Josh Lowe, and this is NBA Retrospective.